I'm also recording. I'm recording too. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between. This is Apparently the Greatest, the podcast where we watch every movie on the AFI's Top 100 American Movies from the last 100 years list. Coming at you, not live, but actually pre-recorded and edited together. Isn't that fun? Things sound so much better. And with me today are my two fantastic co-hosts. Wait, who goes first? <laughs> who does this first? Josh, go, you go first. My name's Josh Park. And I'm Mr. Senior Love Daddy. <laughs> and in case I didn't say before, I don't. I forget, I am your illustrious and Fabulous host, Trevor Gibson. I like to be humble. <clears throat> we will be covering... Today on the podcast, we'll be covering Do the Right Thing, released in... 1989. Released in 1985. Nope, 89. Same years are... 89. <laughs> released in 1989. <laughs> released... Released... <laughs> we'll be covering Do the Right Thing. Released in 1989, the same year as uh, one of our fantastic co-hosts, Louis Nelson. Hey, how's it going? Uh, direct, <laughs> directed by, you know, just some guy named Spike Jones. Nope. Sp- Spike, Spike Lee. Her- <laughs> it's Spike Lee. He did, he did the movie, you know, that adaptation of Where the Wild Things Are. Uh, directed and- by and starring Spike Lee. 48 yeah, years you know, of you, mule you, production. <laughs> Which, this is like the first time it's ever been used, right? I think this might be the first time that was used. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> Trevor. Oh, wow. Wait, I'm reading this and it says it's the 96th best. What? Did you say 90? Or am I reading the wrong list? You might be reading the wrong list. Fair Toy Story, Yankee Doodle Dandy, Blade Runner, do the right thing. So, oh, 96th. You're right. Yeah. Uh, addendum. <laughs> a retraction, if I will. This has uh, been a flawless episode so far. <laughs> totally. Let's I'm keep keeping all of this in. It's absolute gold. Um, we, today we'll be covering movie 96 on the list. So, uh, before we get into, uh, get into the plot, the, uh, the meat of this thing, uh, let's talk about our first experiences with this movie. Uh, Joshers, you go first. Okay, so the first time I watched this movie was on TV, and this was when I was, uh, <laughs> when I was, um, a little babby. I'm still a little babby, but I was a little babby. Josh was, is our precious babby boy. Yeah, I think I was like, <laughs> what, 13 or 14? And, you know, it, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was great, and, um... Yeah, but I don't. I didn't really absorb much of it. I don't think so. When I watched it, you know, just today, that was when it. A, a lot of it really sunk in. It's hard to believe that a, a little babby boy might not absorb <laughs> the key messages of this film. Key message. Um, in case you don't know, we're all extraordinarily white, <laughs> including you, Josh. <laughs> Technically, my heritage is non-white, but I've been marked white by <laughs> the powers that be, so... <laughs> oh no, I'm part of the system now, God damn it! Yep. No! And I'm the mayor of this podcast. <laughs> Josh, can you run to the corner store and give me a Miller High Life? 
is it? Who am I in this situation? Am I? You, uh, no, you're trade? you're Pino. Cool. <laughs> you're Pino. <laughs> I don't want to be Pino, goddammit. I'm not. Look, in any other movie, I would probably want to be John Totoro, but I do not want to be. This is the John one Totoro movie where nobody wants to be John Totoro. Hey, hey, he's like he's like Steve Buscemi's like he's like he's like World Two Steve Buscemi, okay? Earth Two. Yes, he's Earth Two Steve Buscemi. I don't know if that's true. He totally is. Did you guys see the movie he directed, oh. starring Woody? No. Allen? Spike Lee? No, uh, John Turturro. What's the name of it? Fading Gigolo? I didn't oh. F- no, I did not see that movie, but I wanted to. I heard of it, but I didn't see it. Yeah, I, I lost interest right as the trailer started, so. <laughs> Are you watching this while we're recording? Josh is a multitasker, Trevor. Uh, yeah, exactly. Josh, turn off your fucking phone. <laughs> I'm just looking up valuable information about fading He's... gigolo. God damn it, this is about do the right thing. Josh, is, is this not the official Josh, fading gigolo Josh, podcast? You have to do the right thing. <laughs> John Turturro oh. and Woody Allen share a barber, which is how Allen learned about the movie. Shut up, god damn it. Oh man. I'm can I'm canceling this guy. <laughs> Trevor, what happens in this movie? Several scenes were filmed at the Lexington Candy Shop, a vintage vintage luncheonette in Manhattan. (laughs) Okay, wait. Basically, swap out Sal's Pizzeria with the Lexington Candy Shop, and you've got the same movie. I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine that that is in any way true, John. That is a hundred percent true. But this movie takes place like Fading Gigolo has to take place in like what 2013 at the at the. 2013. Okay. So it's somebody who goes into this candy shop with their iPod turned up really. Sorry, iPhone turned up really. <laughs> and instead, and he disconnects the Wi-Fi instead of yeah. smashing. <laughs> and then everyone just goes home peacefully, <laughs> just a little. Annoyed. Oh, but no, this, there's still somebody that dies from being choked out by a police officer. <laughs> like that part. Of that course, part. Oh, no. God damn it. Let me have this fantasy world, Louis. No, surprisingly, it. some things never change. Apparently. <laughs> Damn it. It's so depressing. So, so I guess in conclusion, listeners, this film deserves to be on this list because it's very poignant still. <laughs> who who Un- have thunk? Unfortunately, this movie is incredible. This is your relevant. too long did not listen. Um... <laughs> Oh God! Uh, yes, Josh, do you? Ooh, he's a Renaissance man. He wrote Shut and directed *Fantastical* about this goddamn movie, and he stars in it. Oh my God, he's like a regular Spike Lee. I'm and no, do not make that comparison. You cannot do that. I mean, John Turturro is great, but I don't know. He's a better actor than Spike Lee in this movie for sure. Uh, let's save that for later. <laughs> okay. All right. Um. Uh, Josh, I'm fascinated by the fact that you watched this when you were 13. Do you remember it at all? Like your feelings about it at the time? Um, I I remember it was like really visceral and really like I it, interesting. Like it was. I don't know. I think um, this movie didn't have too much of an impact on me, 
when I was watching, like, the, I know the, a movie I watched in a similar setting at, at the same age was, um, Six Degrees of Separation, which had much more of an impact on me at the time, <laughs> which is weird, but, yeah. Also a great movie. <clears throat> I've not Six seen degrees it, of so separation. I don't know. <laughs> it's Will Smith's first um, dramatic role, I think. I do know that. I know there's a speech about Ketro and the Rye in there at some point. Yeah. That's all I know. And also, J.J. Abrams makes a cameo when he's like young and like a college student. What? <laughs> yeah. So that that happens, and it's great. So you guys should uh, check it out. Uh, I might do that, but I probably won't because I got a bunch of other stuff to watch. <laughs> but thank you, Josh. Fine. <laughs> Uh, Louie Louie Lou. Oh, well, Trevor, I know what your question is going to be. I came to this movie um, at a much older age than Josh. Uh, rewind back to 2007. The Summer of Love, I called it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because Juno was released? <laughs> you're, a great, you're a great co-host, yes. Josh. I love having you on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> a movie that defined a generation. <laughs> everybody's everybody's uh, ego was pregoed. Uh, <laughs> Louis came back from Juno and he was like, oh man. That everyone, was just... everyone was wearing short shorts and sweatpants. And had hamburger yep. bones. Ah, <laughs> uh, 2007, the Halcyon Days. <laughs> The the move the year where everyone pretended that no one knew about Sonic Youth. <laughs> Anywho, um, just like every other movie on this list, I watched uh, Do the Right Thing as part of a class in college. Um, it was like one of the many social science classes of hey, let's watch movies that had a big impact on American culture, and then you write an essay about it. And I did that, and this was one of the more uncomfortable ones. Moo, uh, tug collar. <laughs> Actually, this is more uncomfortable now. I like. I'm glad I don't have that essay anymore because I'd be afraid to go back and look at that essay and see, like, college <laughs> freshman essay about this movie. Now, well, and yet, and yet, we still, we still kind of have. To well, have yeah, essay but <laughs> in audio yeah. form. Well, Trevor, how did you come? Uh, how, what's your experience with this movie? Uh, um, I I watched it uh, about. Uh, first time I watched it was about six hours ago. <laughs> so you are the newest convert to this movie. Yep, I'm a little babby boy. Uh, yeah, I, I'm very much aware of Spike Lee as, as kind of a cultural figure, mm-hmm. and I know I know a lot of. Through the thing, you get certain movies and certain artists, and you. Yeah, I. Spike Lee is one of those directors where um, you get certain artists that you're um, you're much more aware of the impact that they've made on uh, whatever whatever field that they're in and you know like culture as a whole before you're actually exposed to their art in any way. So I've like I've seen interviews with Spike Lee. I've read about him a bunch, but I've never, to be honest, I've always been too afraid to watch one of his movies. <laughs> So, um, wait, no, I'm actually lying. Um, I, I've seen Malcolm X. That's the only other movie besides, uh, besides this one that I've seen. And I, I'd only just watched Malcolm X, I think, a year ago, actually. 
So yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's interesting me. and probably you know I don't think you're in the minority. I think uh, Spike Lee for a certain generation has just always been in the cultural consciousness and has been in the background because, I mean, yeah. To be frank, he's now it's only he does big budget movies that are seen by super wide release audiences. Yeah, you're not Especially Frank. You're what? Louis. Especially, you're not Frank. You're Louie. <laughs> Shut up the fuck up, Josh. I'm never inviting you on this podcast I love this again. Is perfect. <laughs> the um the, yeah um uh yeah well sir he certainly doesn't make them anymore um actually this movie this movie is i think one of his most successful ones from box office standpoint um but yeah um so yeah having watched it six hours ago uh, you guys watched it six hours ago i literally just finished <laughs> nice well i haven't watched it for the first yeah. time six hours ago i should say um uh, uh, one word to, 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 to describe it, it, the experience was uncomfortable. <laughs> Another word to describe it is incredibly uncomfortable. But, uh, having said all that, it's, it's a fantastic movie. Like, one thing that struck me the entire time was, um, it's like Dutch, the, his use of Dutch angles. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, which is really weird for me because it's, that's not really something that you see anymore. I think like around around like indie films in the eighties and nineties, people use them more. Mm-hmm. But um, but they're everywhere in this movie, uh, especially as the day goes on and like things start to heat up, both metaphorically and literally, <laughs> um, but figuratively and literally. Uh, you you get more Dutch angles and the. Shut the- I see, yes, I see Louis burying his hand, uh, his hand in his hands. <laughs> oh, no, no, whatever, whatever. Uh, whatever, what these, I'll let that out. No, no, keep uh, that in, keep all of us in. Everything stays in. <laughs> it's a new, we're experimenting with a yeah. new format. We just edit the yeah. raw video file. Yeah, no, the raw video file. file. Let's do the video file of our hangout. <laughs> yes, do the video Let's too. Record it. But Let's no, record no audio. <laughs> it's just Josh with his face in front of a screen in front of his microphone. Josh is like a real man of man yeah. of mystery right now. <laughs> I'm looking up important information about a specific Stop <laughs> Googling shit while you're on this podcast. <laughs> Fuck, unless I directly Do you guys want to know you. some fun facts about Popstar never stop never stopping? God It's really interesting. Damn it, Josh. <laughs> Did you know this is Adam Sandberg and Andy Sandberg and Judd Apatow's first collaboration? Which is I'm weird. Adam because he's always been a part of the I SNL will kind boot of you from this wait, 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 so wait, wait, wait. Fast. Who's Adam Sandberg? <laughs> okay. Andy Sandberg. <laughs> and, uh, he's he's well you see, uh, Andy Sandberg and Adam Sandler got in a in a fl- that fly teleportation. <laughs> they beat into the same magic fountain. <laughs> No, they would just switch bodies at that point. God they damn both, it, they both met up at a. Uh, they both met at their home. They share a home, and they said, "Oh, I wish you could live a day in my shoes." <laughs> and then lightning struck the house. No, no, he. Uh, well, you see, Adam Sand, <laughs> Adam Sandler, uh, put a bunch of Andy Sandberg things in uh, in this bathtub, <laughs> and he fell into the bathtub along with a hairdryer. He knows what Andy Sandberg was. <laughs> he does. It's 
what Sandberg wants. <laughs> Adam Sandberg. <laughs> nope, I give up. No, Adam I fucked up. <laughs> and Adam Sandler is in charge of a marketing agency that is trying to find ways to appeal to young Sandbergs. Young independent <laughs> Sandbergs. It's a new marketing campaign. <laughs> So the plot, the plot of Do the Right Thing. I'm, I'm so torn right now because I love that bit, but it's so, so incongruous with the rest of this, what this episode's going to be. In this universe, Do the Right Thing is remade with the Sandler-like entourage. No, 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 no. That's too real. That's too real, Josh. Andy, Andy, Sandberg, Take Andy it back. Sandberg plays the part of Pino, Vito, and Sal. <laughs> oh god Rob, Rob Schneider plays um, Spike Lee's no, 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 absolutely not Mookie Mookie, Mookie. Um, Speaking okay. of Mookie yeah, uh, Louie, Louis, you, were, you were speaking of the plot of this, this yeah. movie Where this episode is ostensibly about Well, the, uh, the, the movie, Do the Right Thing uh, Begins with uh, a radio station uh, with Samuel L. Jackson. Actually, I want to interrupt you already. It begins with some fantastic opening credits, I have to say. <laughs> the dancing that caught me by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that the first time I watched it the How six could hours you? ago, but I loved it. Like, the... Just like the look on her face the entire time she's she's dancing to public enemy. I'm just Did like, it make you want to yes. fight the power? <laughs> it made me just it, not really. It made me feel guilty. <laughs> He's like, oh god, I am the power. Probably. Well, yeah, statistically, probably. Start th- start throwing away all my Elvis records. <laughs> they do instruct you to do that in that song. I'm just like, okay, public enemy, am I cool now, please? So, fun fact, Trevor also actually happens to own a pizzeria. It's weird. It's I do not own, I do not, I do not own a pizzeria, no, no, no. have I ever owned He charges a people more for mozzarella, like extra cheese is $2. Yeah, exactly, two, yeah. Hey, that's fucking, that's fucking bullshit, okay? <laughs> and he refuses I'm... to put pictures of black people on the wall <laughs> Only, only uh, Italian Americans, which is weird because he's not Italian. Only Italian Americans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Louis, you were you're talking. Yeah, about the movie the movie starts with Sam Jackson. Uh, he is a radio DJ. He warns everyone it's going to be hot, hot, hot. <laughs> and then we cut to Spike Lee playing Mookie, who is a pizza delivery man uh, for local Sal's Pizza. Sal's famous. Yeah, Sal's pizzeria. famous pizzeria. Um, it's a, or it might be just famous pizza, but famous is in it's, there somewhere. It's hard to the plot. Like not a lot actually happens in this movie plot wise. A lot of it's it's just like it's like a string of little yeah, vignettes, which all work together really well, but like doesn't make for an interesting plot recap. Uh, it works to its advantage the fact that it's not really very plot heavy because uh, it can bounce around with different tones very easily like in one scene it'll you'll have very you know intense confrontation between two characters and then the next it'll just be kind of this 
almost like farcical yeah. comedy in a way. It's sort of interesting. I'd I'd want to know how you felt about. Um, I guess I guess we're jumping. If you want to know the plot of this movie, just watch the movie because it's hard to really like the plot is so simple, but you have to actually watch the movie to get a lot of it. Um, Trevor, you'd never seen this movie. Did Radio Raheem before the unfortunate ending of the movie for him? Uh, did you? feel as though he was like a strange specter in the background <laughs> the um he thing i uh, i actually that was one of the few plot points of this movie that i actually knew was that a man named radio raheem died well yeah <laughs> so i was like i was expecting it and i kept waiting for him to kind of be more of a character you know i was expecting him to like meet up with Spike Lee sometime in the movie and they're, the rest of the movie is just kind of them hanging out. It's where I expected to go that way. Like, whenever something... Whenever he does eventually die, it would kind of... Eh, have more of... I don't want to say have more of an impact because his death scene is very impactful, but that'd be the more traditional way to yeah. go about it. And that's what I was expecting. I think that's very interesting. Not what he did. Because, like, if he had been made a more major character, I don't think there would have been any confusion as to why... I'm skip. I'm getting ahead of myself, but why um, Mookie at the end throws the um, trash can through the window. Like, I think people would have... There wouldn't have been any, like, you know, confusion about what the motivations were at that point if Radio Raheem was a more major character. Like, a lot of the protagonists or not protagonists but like a lot of the more major characters in this movie and i think that's interesting they went with making radio rohim a more kind of smaller presence in them throughout yeah i guess to i guess to clarify the plot real quick um bugging out a friend of our central character mookie uh questions the owner of sal's famous pizzeria about not having uh any people of color on the wall of fame that he has, that is all Italian-Americans. And uh, he decides to organize a um, yeah a boycott, boycott of uh, the pizzeria. And the rest of the movie is him essentially trying to get this boycott together. Uh, Radio Raheem is a man that walks around with a giant boombox. <laughs> uh, like the biggest one we see in the movie, I think, really. He's only... He only ever yeah, one it's, song, uh, Fight the Power yep. of the Public Enemy. And uh, he, that, his whole thing is that boombox in this movie. And uh, he's forced by Sal to turn it off in order to get two slices of pizza. Uh, and at the end of the movie, he joins in the boycott along with Buggin' Out and another character, uh, Smiley, who I guess is... <laughs> Im- that's, you want to talk no, about Smiley? No, I feel weird about Smiley, but I think Smiley is like a good character to have in there because he gives you that connection to uh, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. early in the movie where he shows his like hand-drawn picture. Uh, it, I mean, it's a it's like a printed-out picture of the two, and he puts an X next to Malcolm X and a crown above Martin Luther King Jr.'s head. That introduces this concept of like violence versus you know uh, peaceful protest, which is kind of the... Uh, the opposing forces at play in this movie. But those three, Radio Raheem, Smiley, and Buggin' Out, are the characters that ultimately go into Sal's Pizzeria, create conflict, uh, 
Sal responds, the conflict escalates, and it culminates in the death of Radio Rahim at the hands of the police, a riot, and then uh, Mookie throwing a trash can through the window of Sal's uh, in response to Radio Rahim's death, and that's basically, there's there's more interactions after that, but that is the main, like, <laughs> event in this film before the, like, absolute end. Um, and it ends, and to further drive home the, the point made previously, it ends with one quote by uh, Martin Luther King and another by Malcolm X, both one yeah. obviously uh, advocating for nonviolent protest and one advocating for not necessarily violence, but and, self-defense is yeah. the way the quote And as it. Sal's Pizzeria is burning to the ground, Smiley uh, puts one of his pictures of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. shaking hands on the wall of fame. Like, it's it's like the last scene of the riot. He's putting that, he's putting this picture on there. There's also a large cast of characters that are essential to the movie, I think. Because I think without many of the characters, it would be very, it, the movie would not feel as, um, I mean, it just wouldn't be as good a movie. I'll just put it plain and simple. <laughs> this movie is great. Yep. It wouldn't be as great if it didn't have a large cast of characters that don't necessarily play a big part in the plot, but they play a part in the movie. So yeah, so much of uh, so much of the fun of watching this movie, <laughs> in the parts where because it, it genuinely is fun and entertaining uh, through large portions of it, but um, is watching these different characters interact with each other. Because they're all very interesting characters, and uh, without them, I think, you know, like, especially, like, towards the middle bit, probably, you would kind of, before you've really kind of figured out kind of what point Spike is trying to make, you would kind of get a little lost yeah. in there, I think. And I think the, the these these characters and all these little vignettes uh, help keep you interested. I think one of the reasons I liked... Um... The, just just the whole way the movie is presented is there's never this kind of pretension like oh in the end all these characters will like kind of come together like i feel like there's um a lot i feel like there's a need for a lot of filmmakers who make these kinds of movies like the, the kind of interconnected vignette sort of films like i want to compare this movie to crash don't <laughs> because uh please don't please don't do that please because, do not do that okay so crash is like you're doing it anyway, this, Josh. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with it. It's like this movie, but um, actually kind of very... Um, bad? Very, yeah, very bad. Very almost condescending and very um, very pretentious and just not fun, I guess. It takes... It's, it's like not fun, very pretentious, and just also incredibly reductive. And I think... Um, and same thing with the movie like... Um, Magnolia, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, it, but it's like um, okay, <laughs> but Go it's like on. it still has that pretension of like oh these characters are all um, interconnected in some way, but in this movie it's kind of just a day in the life of a community, you know yeah. what I mean? And it, yeah, it all takes place just on one street basically. Yeah, and it, but it still has the kind of um, gravitas that those kinds of movies have without the need to kind of show it off. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
because you see so many people mm-hmm. on this block, you know, throughout the course of this movie that when things do get serious, you're like, oh, no, there's all these characters that I like are going through a lot of really Who are your favorite things. side characters, everyone? Let's do Flashpole. We're doing a Flashpole. Who are your favorite characters okay. in the movie that aren't our... Can't be Sal, can't be Mookie. Those are, like, our only disqualifying characters. You can like any other characters. Okay. Jade. Why do you like Jade? Who's Jade? Tell me who Jade is. Uh, it, well, she is, uh, she's Mookie's, Mookie and, uh, actually Spike Lee's sister. Oh, that's Spike Lee's sister? Oh, is that actually Spike Lee's that's sister? His, that, that's his real sister. Oh. T-I-L. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I've kept, I, I knew that before <laughs> I went into the movie. I looked at the cast. Yeah, like, they have, like, similar, like, bone structure, like, they're like their cheekbones. You notice they're kind Very of the nice. same. <laughs> we were discussing yeah. this. I, I appreciate cheekbones. their cheekbones. They're so nice. <laughs> I'm editing nope, this keep out. it in. Keep it in. <laughs> Don't no. Keep nope, it all in. I'm, nope. But Jade. Nope. But Jade. Well, no, Jade yeah, plays not. a. Uh, I mean, her first introduction in the movie is uh, Mookie's character trying to bother her on a Saturday and wake her up. And she says, like, no, this is my only day to sleep in. Later on in the movie, uh, she goes to Sal's. And Sal makes it seem like she hasn't been around in a long time. And we kind of get an idea that she is uh, probably a lot more successful than Mookie. Um, harder worker than, Mur- than Mookie. Like, uh, yeah, she's, uh, he's, he's living exactly, in her yeah. apartment. There's, and if you actually look around the apartment, that's clearly her, yeah. her apartment. There's a lot of, like, little things that make you think that... You know, Jade is so much better put together than Mookie. And, uh, yeah, Mookie, Mookie is kind of a bum. Uh, yeah, that's why I like her. Like, she's clearly a very, very put-together yeah. person. And, but like, she obviously loves her brother, and she's kind of nice to everyone, honestly. Even Sal and all those yeah. assholes in the pizzeria. But, um... Yeah, but he, despite that, she's not afraid to call no. out Mookie on all of his bullshit. No, and not in the way that... So, Mookie has a, has a girlfriend named Tina and a son uh, with Tina. But Tina... Yeah. Hector. Tina only essentially nags him constantly throughout the film. And uh, calls him out for not being the not being a good dad. And uh, Jay doesn't do it in that way. Jay, Jay is essentially like, you know, you, know, you gotta... You gotta start taking this shit more seriously, Mookie. Like you can't, you can't go on two-hour lunch yeah. breaks. <laughs> Cause yeah, Tina's more like yeah, Tina's just constantly like, why don't yeah. you be a man? Why don't you be yeah. a man? It's one of one thing she says constantly. But anytime Jade tells yeah. him he needs to straighten his Jade... shit out, she's just basically like, look, yeah. you've got a shit job, <laughs> and you don't even do that. Jade job is well. probably the most level-headed wanna... character in the entire movie. That's probably the Most best definitely. way to sum up. She is the level head of the cast. Yeah, yeah, and a, in a cast of like very like uh, uh, what's what's the word uh, eclectic. <laughs> they're they're a real cast uh, of characters. They believe they belong on the USA Network, where characters are welcome. <laughs> uh, okay, Vienna. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, she's like. Eh. She's like this calm port in a storm of yeah. craziness. Josh, my sweet Joshy boy, who do, who do you like in this movie? Who who's your favorite? Okay, I've You're been nice with me, Josh. <laughs> okay, I, I'm I'm like I'm really confused. Is it director John? Really... <laughs> <laughs> Why 
fuck if you say John Turturro, I swear to God. Well, just by uh, just by principle, it has to be John Turturro. Fuck. No, he's just... arguably the worst <laughs> character. Yeah, no, okay. Um, I think it's either um, Sweet Dick Willie. God damn it, Josh! That was my <laughs> yes. Are you serious? Yeah, I love I love the uh, Sweet Dick Willie. Is Coconut Sid, I, ML, like, and Sweet Dick Willie. <laughs> Are this great? Sweet Dick Willie is just incredible. Yeah. But um, also, um, just Martin Lawrence's character because I didn't know Martin Lawrence was in this movie. And when I saw Martin Lawrence, I was like, "Is that Martin he's part Lawrence?" Of the, he, <laughs> and he's talking with a lisp. Yeah, he's talking with a lisp through the there, entire thing. Yeah, and he's like barely even a character, but he's just there. And I'm like, "That's Martin yeah. Lawrence." And every scene where he's in, where he's just surrounded by people, I was just focused on well, Martin he, Lawrence because he like, and those Man. three other uh, characters are like a Greek chorus that show up at certain points in the film to just like provide. You see, that's how I was going to describe Sweet Dick Willie. Also, yeah, it's guys. like we have two sort of Greek choruses in this movie who, like, lay out plot and elements that... Samuel L. Jackson is kind of like... Un- What's the term? I don't remember what... Damn it, Josh, you, he, should, doesn't you, he base- you, just, you just got done with school. You should know this. He, wasn't he in... Um, so he was in Chirac. And Chirac is basically just an adaptation of a Greek play, right? And he yeah. just... Well, Yes, basically. And he, I forget what's the term for it though, because he straight up well, is the, this in Chirac. Well, the, there is the core. It's base. It's the chorus. There's like the, the muses. No, that's the, like a thing. In is that what um, Greek Greek no, play? No, it terms. would be. It would be the chorus, like the co- interjecting in between the main action of the play to like, you know, give you the audience a little sign and say, "Hey, this is what's happening." Okay, but yeah. that's what I mean. That's what ML. Uh, Coconut Sid and Sweet Dick Willie <laughs> do. Coconut Sid. One thing I love about Spike Lee is just oh yeah, bugging name. out is a great name for Ra- a character. Bugging Smiley. out, yeah. Radio yeah, Rahim. Radio Raheem. I straight up didn't know bugging out was Giancarlo Esposito until like. <laughs> isn't that isn't that fucking insane? Yeah, I was. I thought the same thing too. I because I looked at the cast list before I watched this movie and I saw Giancarlo Esposito was in it. <laughs> And I looked for him in this movie. And you were like, where is he? <laughs> well, Martin... John Carlos Pizzino, Martin right? Lawrence is the same thing. You do, like, a double take. like, wait, that's Martin Lawrence. And then, even at the beginning with Sam Jackson, it's like, wait, is that Sam Jackson? I forgot he was in this movie. Thing is, Sam Jackson looks exactly yeah. the same yeah. as he does now. Yeah, It's just, exactly. it's hard, though, because it's and, like, he's so young. <laughs> and you can tell it's Martin Lawrence, because I was just like, yeah. it's Martin Lawrence. But throughout this entire movie, I did not know he was Gene Carlos. Like, I, I just didn't know, you know? <laughs> like... I was like, that's it. I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's about his, like, glasses like, and his yeah. hair, which is so different uh, yeah. from everything he's in. Also, he's not doing that voice mm-hmm. that he normally... His uh, Breaking Bad voice. Uh. Or or his, um... What's that movie? Jungle Fading Jiggle. Un- <laughs> unusual. <laughs> the masterpiece God Fading Jiggle. Not you too. <laughs> like in Unusual Suspects and in like he always places or Usual Suspects. Why did I say Unusual? But <laughs> but he's so unusual. Yeah, he always plays like this kind of very level-headed. Not well in Breaking Bad, he doesn't play a level-headed, but kind Heck, of this. He, well, he is until he isn't. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
You know what I mean. Listeners, you know what I mean. Let's talk about the Ryan Johnson directed episode <laughs> of Breaking Bad, The Fly. <laughs> the Fly. The single greatest episode of television ever made. Uh, yes. Thank you for agreeing with me. I'm like everyone else in the world who's wrong. I, I don't think it's the best ever, but I think it's a pretty underappreciated it's pretty fu- episode. It's pretty fucking good episode. Yeah. Bad. Anyway, back to the <laughs> I think. This, Louis just got up this and is left. A, this is a shambles. <laughs> We're not this, doing the right this thing is a shambles, right. just like the 2013 film Fading Club. Guys, guys, what is the right thing in this movie? I don't know. Are we in this movie? Well, yeah. Spike Lee um, claims Spike uh, Lee claims that only only white viewers ask that question. Actually, yes, he does. And I'm, because I'm I think I know what it is, but I think that's just me. Like you know what I mean? Uh, I think it's my different. My interpretation, for my interpretation of the ending, and I'm going to be a very white person by saying this, I guess. Was like, the reason he threw the thing through the trash can through the uh, garbage can is like I don't I don't think he necessarily wanted Sal to you know get killed. Well, obviously. I yeah. yeah I th- I think he threw it in there like to, to redirect everyone's energy like away from away from Sal and like towards the actual pizzeria itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't hate Sal like he. Yeah, now he he clearly is not okay, completely okay with Sal and all of his guys, but yeah, but at the he same hates time, he the doesn't pizzeria. want anyone else. Yeah, you know what I mean. He, I, I that's one thing I like about Spike Lee's character in this movie is that throughout most of it, he like just wants to yeah. go home. He wants his yeah. money. He, he just, wants to he, get paid. He wants to get. He wants to get paid, and then yeah. he wants to go home. Which that's what we all want in life, right? Um, exactly. No, I I guess my biggest I don't I mean I think it's hard to say did Mookie do the right thing? But, because my main question is, what's his motivation for doing anything in this situation? Because he meets Radio Raheem, like, once in the movie that we see. Uh, and I guess I don't, I don't know what his clear motivation is for just going, like, fuck it, let's go grab this trash can and throw it through the window. Um, I guess I, that's my main issue in the entire film, if I had to pick one thing, it's like, I don't know why Mookie just suddenly snaps and decides to throw this. But then again, I'm, I'm talking myself out of my head right now, because when uh, Martin Lawrence and his crew want to come in and get four slices from Sal, even though they're technically closed, uh, Mookie is very upset and just wants to go home. So maybe it is just that he wants to fucking go home. <laughs> and this is a way to just like take out all of his anger and frustration, because it's been a terribly hot annoying day that's actually really interesting like the the his main motivation at the end is just that he is just fed up. yeah that's really yeah that's really um yeah i didn't think about it that way but that's how i thought of it too is just that he's like he's the perfect middle ground between all of these different sides and that he just wants no actually can i leap in and say what the middle ground like is in this movie for me it's my it's my backup favorite character since josh fucking took mine um or my Vito Corleone. <laughs> the mayor uh oh yeah mayor. yeah the, the mayor the mayor, the mayor and he... um and mother sister i think are great parts of this movie throughout the entire movie because mother sister is much like jade the level head the like pillar of the community and the, the mayor is sort of uh, 
a bum who our second scene with him is him going to the market to get a Miller High Life and settling for a Miller Light, which is depressing. Uh, no one, one wants to settle for that, but he uh, get a Modelo. He um, yeah he he. I think as the movie progresses, we get a better picture of the mayor being sort of uh, compassionate and caring about the community in a way that isn't clear initially, maybe. Uh, and then at the end, when the riot's happening, Mother's sister is basically calling for it all to be burnt to the ground <laughs> after Radio <laughs> Rahim dies. And then at the at the very end, after the riot, post-riot, uh, the mayor stays at her home. And I, I guess I forgot to mention, the mayor saves Sal and his sons by like pushing them behind a fence and saying, you guys stay to the fucking side because you're going to get murdered if you like try and stand in front of your store right now. Like That's a bad idea. And then the next morning, post-riot, you see them like just sort of combining forces like, well, we're still alive. Like The neighborhood survived. Uh, and I think, I think that's a really interesting interplay that is one of those, like, hey, these are side characters that really the movie could not have, and it wouldn't destroy the movie. It wouldn't make the movie's plot completely unravel. But it's, like, a nice little button to have in the movie uh, to show, like, these are two sort of competing pillars in the community, the mayor and mother-sister, and their roles seem defined, but they actually could come apart at any moment and change roles in a way. Yeah, that's it's a fantastic, fantastic view of those characters. Thank you, uh, Trevor. Uh, well, uh, if you'll excuse me, I have Fading Gigolo rented on iTunes. <laughs> Just queued up. God, God fucking damn it. Um, one thing I one thing I liked about this movie, um, is that it no one is except for the police you could say is necessarily really demonized well even then i thought it was interesting because the police are clearly bad guys but there yeah. are like two or is it one i can't t- I, I don't remember but it was like it's it, a, i think it's a couple cops who are actually just kind of trying to just do their jobs they're just trying to do like, the right thing they're yeah exactly they're all like well they're okay there's like i think there's like three of them in total uh-huh like two of them, but they're all racist. Yeah, yeah. But one of them is super racist. Yeah, exactly. And he takes it. He's the one that takes it too far and eventually kills well, but the, Rahim. And the other two stand back and are just like, "Dude." Well, no, but like the far. the fire hydrant scene is, I think, uh, an example of the police just trying to do their job. Where early in the film, or I don't know where it was in the film because I wasn't paying attention to the runtime. Uh, the uh, the fire hydrant being opened, and the antique car with the <laughs> with the douchey racist guy yep. uh, getting sprayed by the fire hydrant yep. and then uh, the police show up he's like oh you have you have to apprehend the suspects that did this and uh, the the police don't really give him that much attention they they basically just shut off the hydrant and say don't turn on this hydrant again like don't open it up again or we'll be back out here and they basically tell him to get the fuck out of the neighborhood which I think is a good scene to the police, like, you know, hey, sometimes they're trying to play this middle ground role. Uh, but then, yeah, with the Radio Raheem scene, you have that one officer who takes it so far. And another officer tries to stop him, <laughs> like, as, as, 
as he's killing Radio Raheem. And so it's like, yeah, clearly they're tr- it's it's trying to highlight like there can be officers that are trying to ride this line, but it's really easy for them to go way too far, and like then go mm-hmm. literally the farthest they can go, <laughs> just killing so killing somebody that uh, they could have just subdued in any other way. Uh, yeah, and thankfully, thankfully this problem ended in 1989 with the release of Do the Right Thing, and this sort of mm-hmm, exactly. no one has ever been choked to death by a police officer ever since, especially uh, uh, no. No, no black men have been murdered by the police in New York yeah, City exactly. since and then. That's why I think that's why the film remains so impactful because it solved yeah. all yeah. Of the police brutality problems, and I think you know that's why we remember it just to this day. Trevor, Trevor is <laughs> <laughs> Trevor. What? Sorry, what I meant to say is Trevor is watching Fading Gigolo now. We can see his reactions. <laughs> Uh, no, so obviously, uh, we mean the opposite of that, because this film is super poignant still. <laughs> In a very depressing way. Um. Did you guys that line, though, after they, um, after the cops, uh, uh, didn't, didn't, um, didn't back up that guy with the, uh, with the convertible? It was like before the uh, get the car out of here before these people strip it clean. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. Yeah, it's, I was... I was because I was like, oh, okay, these cops aren't actually going to be assholes, and they yeah. in that line, and I was like, oh, yeah, they're still assholes, but they're like trying to yeah. hold it together. It's it's like kind it's of like this thin line where they're trying to stop racist douchebags, uh, but then they're like only one degree less than <laughs> like the racist exactly. douchebag they're trying to stop. Um, mm-hmm. One one um. Uh, one example that really stu- one scene that really stuck out in my mind was whenever um, the police drove by the um, Sweet Dick Willie. Oh, Sweet Dick Willie. <laughs> why do they call him Sweet Dick Willie? Why'd your mama name you Sweet Dick Willie? <laughs> that whole conversation. You're talking about my mama before. <laughs> oh, uh, that scene so much. But no, uh, where they uh, where they're just uh, where Sweet Dick Willie and his friends are. Oh, the name just brings me so much joy. Um, he's sitting with his friends, and then the cops drive by. You know, and you have that scene where they kind of square off against each other. And then, like n- several scenes after that, they all talk about Sweet Dilly, Dick Willie's friends. All talk about uh, the Korean Coconut Sid store. is the one that has like the biggest issue with the Korean grocery store, and that yeah. that culminates yeah. in him trying to confront the uh, the owner of the store after they've burned Sal's to the ground. I think that might be my favorite part, or not my favorite, but one of my favorite scenes in that movie is when he confronts the Korean um, shop owner, and the guy goes, um, and he's like, uh, I'm black, just like you, and and then he's like, no, I'm black, you're different, and he's like trying to communicate, but I think it's like, kind of summarizes the movie a little bit, where it's like, um it's it's just interesting because he's he's trying to say like no um we're not so different it's just like (laughs) i don't know how to i don't know how to explain no i i think you're getting no i i know what you're saying it it's a very poignant scene and it and the one guy who like stops him from doing anything where he's like no he's cool it it just it just shows like i don't know the differences because 
there's a lot of conflict between like in real life there's a lot of conflict between the korean shop owner and the um and the um i guess the community that actually buys stuff from them but the reason why they burn down sales as opposed to the shop is because the sh i think the shop owner and then they're kind of they're in very similar situations like um sweet dick willie says um uh what's his name coconut coconut sid coconut sid and he's he's talking about how oh they just got off the boat and now they're owning a business that's a shame um and then sweet dick willie says well you also got off the boat and uh, <laughs> and it, yeah. it's it's just the same exact thing as opposed to sal's which is kind of a a different like tension so i thought yeah. that was a really but then again really interesting scene. yeah no i it is it is a good it is a good conclusion to that scene where it's like no i i also go through many of the things you go through like our our experiences are not dissimilar uh i you're not we're not so different you and I. <laughs> but i like to stand up for sal can I do that, or will you guys? I like I like Sal um, too. You you are allowed to make your point, but I'm going to counterpoint at the <laughs> so end. So I think Sal is also, and I know I said that it was uh, mother, sister, and uh, the mayor, but I think also uh, Sal stands as our third like pillar of the community. If we had to pick the pillars in this movie that set up what the community is. Sal is that pillar. Now, he is an imperfect pillar, just like the mayor is imperfect, because we know that he, uh, you know, he, he could not support his family, and he kind of chose instead to just, like, I guess, go to the bottle? Is that what's implied? Like, that was his, his out? Um, Pretty much. But, like, you know, Sal, also, he is not perfect. He is not, you know, uh, an angel who uh, doesn't have some element of hate, especially at the end, where it really shines through. But he cares about the community much more than his son Pino, who is a monster in this movie. And uh, yeah, Sal, yeah, Pino yeah. and the police are the only two that are really yeah. only like two true villains. Pino, Pino wants his dad to close up shop, uh, move back to their neighborhood, and Pino constant or and uh, Sal constantly says like, "No, I've been I built this shop with my with my own hands." Uh, I care about this community. I've fed this community. I've seen kids grow up on my food, food that I made with my hands also that helped them grow. Uh, we see him help the mayor out in the beginning, give the mayor some money for sweeping the sidewalk. He uh, he tries to apologize to Smiley after Pino <laughs> insults Smiley and tells Smiley to fuck off. And you, t you can tell that Sal is uncomfortable the whole time while Pino is trying to chase off Smiley and that he feels very bad about it. And after the riot, after the place is burned to the ground, he he really doubles down on the like you know I I built this place I I I chose to build it here like that's a that's a big deal to Sal I think I think Sal cares a lot more about that block than his son Pino does and Pino is a racist <laughs> fucking asshole and a monster and is definitely the worst but like Sal I think Sal is like you know we all know an, an old white guy that. It has come a long way from where they probably were at some point, but they're not all the way. They're not all uh, the way there, but they. You mean most of my family? <laughs> I'm just saying. Like I know, I know plenty of guys that still would occasionally drop language like Sal does in this movie. But when it comes right, like when when the rubber meets the road, they care a lot more about making the entire community better 
uh, and they they don't <laughs> they don't give in to those terrible urges. Oh Jesus fucking Christ! This is such a depressing ending to this movie. Ugh. Uh, yes, it is. That what uh, <clears throat> uh, one of the scenes that you touched on briefly, like the beginning part of it, whenever um, whenever Sal and Pino sit down, and um, uh, Pino is telling Sal that you know they need to move up shop and go somewhere else. That is one of my favorite bits of this whole movie. Whenever, uh, specifically, one of my favorite lines is uh, ever Sal asks Pino, like, "Why do you have so, why do you have so much hate in you?" And, like that's surrounded by all the other, uh, all the other bits of that scene. I just love it so much because you can just tell like how kind of just fed up with his son yeah. that he is, and just how really kind of disappointed in the person that he's become, and how he can't entirely understand him and uh, you, you, know, you know what I'm I going found because that makes me uncomfortable this is <laughs> only tenuously related but um, the uh, I think one of the main not main but one of the recurring themes which I found really interesting is um, the introduction to Sal we get with Pino and what was his brother's name is Vito. It? Vito. Vito yeah Vito um, the introduction is them not understanding each other at all. And one line that's always throughout the movie, two lines is, are you deaf and speak English? And I think there's this inherent lack of communication between a lot of these characters. And it's just like, one of the messages I think is just people need to listen, I guess. And the way it's communicated here is, um, you know, people physically can't hear or understand what other people are saying. You know, a lot of the conflicts, you know, between Radio Rahim and the Korean shop owners about the batteries or um, uh, Mookie and um, his girlfriend's mom. I forget his girlfriend's name. Tina. Yeah, Tina? Tina. Or yeah. you can just you and can Tina's just refer mom. to her by the actress's name, Rosie Perez. Rosie Perez. <laughs> Was she... Okay, wait, I'll, I don't know, but... Um, Rosie Perez was in this movie? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's really... Yeah, I didn't even realize she was in such, for such a short time. Uh, but... we'll, give you, we'll give you a break to, uh, to Google it <laughs> on your phone. I'll just do it while you guys are talking. <laughs> Josh's, Josh's but, Google uh, search is, was Rosie Perez in Fading Gigolo? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just think that's interesting because it's it's one of the things that they keep harping on is you know are you deaf and um you know speak english and i think that's a really cool like thing a dialogue that just keeps showing up and just a main point of contention in this movie yeah that's a yeah that's really cool i um, do i want to make that comparison well, we're... <laughs> yes you do yes you do Trevor. why not why not um have you ever seen have, um I'm blanking on his name uh, right now, but it's okay. Have you ever watched In Bruges? Yes, yes I have. Okay, uh, uh, the director and the writer of that movie, he has this—he has a similar kind of tick that he introduces in his dialogue a lot. He uses it for completely different reasons, but he'll have characters like make a statement or ask a question, and they'll repeat it several times. Mm-hmm. And uh, he does that more like to uh, just for like religion, like morality in a much broader sense and to make points about religion but um using dialogue to indicate like general 
uh, like not necessarily like specific bits of dialogue, but like little ticks and recurring things like that to indicate the general or like broader themes of whatever movie that you're whatever yeah. you're doing. <laughs> that thing that you do with the camera. Well, that's really that's really interesting, Josh, because I think <laughs> it's something that I really I think like. that's a good point because like the Korean shop owner when he when he does blurt out I'm black, which is mm-hmm. like everyone laughs, but it is it does get to that point of it was all a matter of communication. Like, Coconut yeah. Sid's issue with the Korean shop owner was that they didn't communicate <laughs> that, yeah, you know, exactly. their experiences are not entirely different. And that, you know, it's... I think I think even the main, the absolute primary conflict that goes from bugging out, demanding, like, why don't you have any people of color on this wall? Uh, it, it's sort of a matter of the way that that conversation happens... Uh, both parties, Sal and Buggin' Out, are in no mood <laughs> to have a, a civil conversation about, like, yeah. how come there's only Italian-Americans on that wall. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it escalates to just kicking him out. And same with Radio Raheem, where it's yeah. it's nothing but, like, turn off that music. I don't want to hear it. Instead of, the store's policy is no music playing from your boombox while you're in the store. Which he talks about in the first instance when Radio Raheem is inside, but it, it doesn't it doesn't ever happen again. It o- it only goes to uh, the bad places, um, and yeah. so I, I think I think that's really a good point that a lot of the film seems to be about uh, actually you know communicating these these issues instead of uh, letting them simmer and to come to a boil because it's so hot. Why is it so hot? <laughs> One thing that I read um, was that uh, this movie had a bit of a different ending uh, originally, but uh, Spike changed it, which is that um, I think this scene was supposed to be at the end whenever he could, Josh, just to Google it. Your old, your old pal Spike Wait, changed it. I think I've it, read right? something about this too, but I'll, I'll let you finish, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Spike, he... Um, <laughs> Spiky boy, yeah. my old pal. Sp- <laughs> I don't know... <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I even want to pretend about that. Um, <laughs> Spike Lee is a very intense guy. <laughs> He'll come after you. <laughs> no, like he, no, he's one of those guys I'd be afraid to have a conversation with because he's just so intense like all the time. Anytime any interview I've ever seen him do. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, uh, Spike Lee uh, had a different ending. I think it's at the scene whenever uh, Mookie and uh, Sal meet at the pizzeria after it's been burned down and he asks for his money mm-hmm. and uh, I think at the end of that scene they were actually supposed to sit down and like have a talk and uh, I don't know exactly know it, uh, the article I read never specified exactly what that conversation was supposed to entail but like by the end they were supposed to uh, have found some middle ground or like something mm-hmm. in each other that they could recognize and kind of relate to Realize that they're they're not so different after all, <laughs> but uh, Spike cut that out for. <laughs> yeah, I I read something like that too. Except I think it was um, a studio issue where he intended the ending in the movie to be like the way it is the entire time, but mm-hmm. when he was at Paramount, he the the studio wanted um, Sal and um, and Mookie to kind of just to kind of resolve it to have a final resolution and to finally like you know like you said find a middle ground but 
you know, Spike wasn't having that because obviously that goes against the kind of entire, um, the, what the movie is going for. So he, yeah, the movie's not really interested in answering questions. Yeah, exactly. So making you aware of things that you need to think about. Yeah. So apparently universal let him have the ending he intended just as long as he didn't go over budget. So that was his, apparently that was a whole conflict. So let's talk about the real meaty issue that we've been meaning to, that we've been dancing around this whole time. I think it's time we finally talk about it. Uh, of course, yeah. Um, I'm thinking of a way to phrase this. Because I have to be really careful about how I phrase it. What do you think Sal's pizza tastes like? Um, exactly, and I don't. I'm not sure. I'm a little afraid to get into this topic because. Um, okay, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be no filter, 100%. Oh my god. Uh, so I'm gonna say what all of you are really thinking deep down inside, okay? Uh, Let me tweet this first, okay? Keep no. it real. It's a weird life, Trevor. Ha- hashtag 100. Oh, yep, man. hashtag 100. Uh, hashtag keep it 100. <laughs> hashtag emoji. <laughs> hashtag keep it 100. Um... Uh, Sal's pizza looks fucking disgusting. All right, Trevor, this is where I'm gonna have to um take this up with you. Have you? Did you see that slice he put in front of bugging out at the beginning of the movie? That looks gross. It looked the all che- right. Listen, the I'm a boy. Was all like waxy looking. You're my sweet baby boy. Go on, Josh. All right, listen. <laughs> I'm not a real uh I'm not a real gourmet a bo- connoisseur. Real boy? You're not. Are you, you're made of wood? <laughs> No. I'm not a real. You got boy. no strings I'm just to saying, hold you down, though. I'm just saying I would. Oh definitely... no, he's a robot built by Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, he's James Spader now. What's happening? Why are you wearing that weird fedora? <laughs> oh, you're on the blacklist. That's why. Maggie... Why are you tying up Maggie Gyllenhaal? <laughs> yep. No. Good. Do your secretary bit, please. <laughs> Uh, are, are we going to talk about Secretary now, a movie that should be on this list? It, it should not be, but... Um, oh, you want to talk about this? Save, save it for explaining yourself. Um, Josh, go on, go on about the pizza. I'm just saying, this is a community. This is the worst episode. I'm just saying, this is a community that has grown up on his pizza. Um, I think, and they clearly like it, I think Sal's pizza looks delicious. And... <laughs> And I think, I don't know, maybe that slice specifically that he put down, you know what? No, actually that looked pretty decent. I would have, I would have gone for it completely. I mean, it's pizza. I'm not going to say no to it, but it still looks See, gross. I, it looks, I think to, it I think, looks, what makes it grosser than a decent slice? I think <laughs> like, to clarify Josh's comments, we, Josh, as we started recording, was eating out of the trash can. He actually was holding it next <laughs> to his face and just shut <laughs> Um, actually, actually, he was eating Taco Bell. Oh, sorry. Sorry, no, I thought it was the same. Um. <laughs> it's you can't really tell. To make, Louis. Without a good enough webcam, you can't no, really no, tell. No, no, I'm using, I'm using a pretty bad one. Um. Without a good enough taste palette, you can't taste, you can't tell the um, difference. No, uh, so, do we think this movie deserves to be on the AFI Top 100 and don't be afraid to say no if you feel that way, Josh. <laughs> what? <laughs> Josh, set the tone here. Okay. I'm just saying. 
No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I love this movie. I think no, it Josh absolutely should be on the list. I think it should actually be higher on the list because there are some movies ahead of it that I'm like, come oh, on. Like the Titanic and Sixth Sense yeah. and Forrest Gump. <laughs> Where I'm like, are you serious? Um, this movie, movie is visceral. Yeah, and for a movie... One white man created all yeah, of America. <laughs> for a movie that deals with such lofty themes and the and but how like uh how light and fun it manages to be a lot of the time i think it it's so good like it's just so well made it takes a lot of risks and spike lee is just i'm going to i think i'm going to explore spike lee a little more cuz i've only seen what inside man malcolm x much like his big much movie. like the scene with rosie perez in this movie with the ice cubes you're <laughs> going to explore yeah. spike lee <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <That'll> be... <laughs> thank, thank, thank God for Mobetta Blues. <laughs> thank God <laughs> for Jungle Fever. <laughs> oh, and I think I I would also like to say I think the true villain, other than the cops, but I think the cops are kind of like the cops are there and they're evil. But it's kind of like a, just like this oppressive power they have to fight against, and more representative. They're more representative of a system than actual like, yeah. characters. The true villain is the guy who runs over um, bugging outs Jordans. <laughs> and I'm not saying this. That I, asshole. Yeah, the guy wearing the Larry Bird this. shirt. Hey, hey, <laughs> yeah, I'm Caleb. Not... <laughs> Caleb, my co-host of my other podcast, Caleb. Larry the Bird is fucking garbage. <laughs> he's he's running over Wait, people's what? Jordans. His brand new shiny white Jordans. You can't just do that. Yeah, and I, I'm not saying this in jest. I truly think he represents a danger. Like, gentrification. Yeah, he represents gentrification. Also, he's just carrying a and carton of milk. Yeah. You know, it was oh, it's orange juice. I thought it was a carton of milk. I'm like, okay, Spike Lee, I know what you're doing. <laughs> also it's sad but that guy we've all yeah. met that guy right? oh yeah oh absolutely he still exists today <laughs> like, i was born in brooklyn, brooklyn. <laughs> i was born here it's like fuck but no, you. that's also the thing it's like dude you went out to get like one carton of anything like what yeah exactly also i think that character is like a modern hipster yeah he's totally he's totally hipster and he's I don't know. A, he's even riding a bike. Yeah, he's a he's a biker. It's just yeah. And I think he, other than the cops, is the true villain of Do the Right Thing. And he's only in this movie for like twenty. So seconds. Josh Park's hot take: uh, Pino is a saint, but this guy in the Berkshire. <laughs> no, I don't even think because I don't think Pino, Pino is. Pino wasn't that bad. Really. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't get me. I, Pino is a terrible person, but I don't think Pino is a true villain in the sense of you know. Like he doesn't really get any redemption, though. That's true, and he's I mean, a terrible. We do, kind, we do kind of feel for him in a way whenever Sal asks, like, "Why do you have? Why are you so angry yeah. all the time?" Yeah, which is a beautiful line. I have to say, I didn't, I didn't say it when you guys mentioned it earlier, but I think uh, a father just like sitting down with his son who is filled with this unreasonable hatred and just saying, "Why are you so fucking angry?" Yeah. Like is is a beautiful moment in this movie of this this movie that is essentially I mean it is a comedy drama and this moment is very like oh fuck <laughs> like this would be a very like harsh moment in a full drama 
And in this movie, it's like, oof. Yeah, like... Yeah. Yeah, no, take... In any other movie, it would still be a poignant scene, and in this one, it's just amplified. Mm-hmm. And I love how Pino is kind of also a character, as opposed to kind of this this two-dimensional the racist yeah. in other movies where he would just be you know that would kind of be his purpose is to show like oh this is a racist person but like but pino is a character who's who has terrible views and is a racist but is also a person and i think that was interesting and just that's why this movie's great because no one is everyone is a person and i think that's what makes this movie great <laughs> so yeah i think it's excellent Oh, it's my turn. Um, it's your turn now. Yeah, I guess if I could, if I could, uh, if I could join the AFI and uh, change uh, along with six yeah. greats as David Lynch and uh, Paul Thomas change, Anderson, change the rankings of films. Uh, I mean, I we're gonna I'm gonna talk about this in the future because uh, I would erase Titanic and Forrest Gump from this list just on principle, but yeah. Uh, uh, not just as a list from basically yeah. fucking Yeah, but like when, I mean, not, I mean, it's not just that it's do the right thing, it's also like, you know, when we did Blade Runner, and when we've done, uh, other movies, I mean, even Ben-Hur I'd put over Titanic, uh, honestly. Um, uh, definitely over Forrest Gump. But like, you know, there, there are, mo- there are movies that deserve a special place on uh, a list like this. And I think Do the Right Thing definitely earns that place. I don't know where it belongs on the list exactly at the moment. I think probably in the upper 90s is maybe maybe not being uh, fair to this movie. Maybe it's because it's not that old, and maybe it's because it wasn't a phenomenon like uh, Titanic or Forrest Gump were. But I think, I think it deserves to be higher probably, uh, but it definitely deserves, deserves a spot. This movie lost to Driving Miss Daisy at the Oscars. <laughs> That's the ultimate insult. That's some fucking bullshit. I can't. I can't believe that Driving Miss Daisy is that old of a movie. Actually, it feels so much. <laughs> it feels insultingly late, like younger than this movie. Driving Miss Daisy, I think, joins like. You know the blind side of like. Well, (laughs) Forrest Gump and the Shawshank Redemption. Forrest Gump beat Shawshank Redemption. That's yes, yeah, just idiotic. I don't know, but of course we have hindsight, so you know, it's like you know, (laughs) maybe maybe Fading Gigolo will have its day. (laughs) Of course, yes. God damn it! John Turturro deserves an honorary (laughs) Oscar just on the basis of Fading Gigolo. Fuck. Now I have to go watch Fading Gigolo. <laughs> like, dude, we really. should, we should do a minute by minute podcast too. of Fading Gigolo. <laughs> Special bonus episode actually, of that's... Apparently the Greatest. <laughs> actually, actually, that's a good, uh, I, I'm, you know, that's a good segue. What's this? <laughs> What's this I'm riding on? It's hard to control. It has two wheels and a handle. Trevor, you didn't say, you didn't say if you thought segue. this uh, deserves a place on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,. No, obviously this... Oh, he's falling off his Segway. Oh, shit. I can't. Oh, shit. No, Trevor, Trevor. <laughs> no, no, no! You know, the founder of the Segway... No, um, Josh. ...died on a Segway. So... I'm gonna find you. I swear to God. I'm gonna come to your house. 
Much uh, like John Turturro, his greatest you. work was also his downfall. <laughs> Fading Jiggle. I'm not sure why Fading Jiggle was his downfall, though. I don't think the movie the, destroyed his career or anything. Of but. all the movies to do this bit on, you choose to do the this, right this, thing. This episode sponsored by Fading Jiggle, a movie that came out <laughs> this, three years this ago. A movie that came by... out three years ago and nobody watched it. This movie sponsored by John Turturro's dick, which Josh can't get off of. <laughs> well, he's made a good choice. This is why I think Pino is the hero of Do That Right. <laughs> has John Turturro worked uh, no. since Fading Gigolo? Yes, he has. That's the answer to that. Um, <laughs> hold on, hold Jesus on, hold on. Christ. Trevor, Trevor, Trevor you're the segue is broken. It's on fire in a ditch somewhere. I don't oh, he was know. in Exodus Gods and Kings. <laughs> Wait, John Turturro. Was oh in yes, Exodus I saw that movie in theaters, and John Turturro plays the Pharaoh. And wait, 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 Josh, Josh, Josh. John Turturro plays the Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. In Exodus and he Gods okay, and, and you think he'd cover up his like um, <laughs> you think he'd change his accent? His kind of weird, you know, like the John Turturro manner. Oh no, not the John Turturro I know. Movie. No, he, he's straight up just John Turturro in God in Exodus, and he's like, "Hey, <laughs> hey, look, Moses, what you got here?" That's basically what it, it's so baffling. And John Turturro is like, "And uh, Moses and Ramses," and he tries this accent for like two seconds, and he just completely falls off. <laughs> and then he says, "Let me call my old pal Optimus Prime," and he turns to the camera and goes, "Wink." <laughs> That's why God. that's why there were no people of color in Exodus Gods and Kings because <laughs> because John yep, because of John that's Turturro. The reason. That's definitely the reason. Oh, keep in mind, John Turturro didn't know they were filming a movie. This was just all of him <laughs> in Do the Right Thing. His actual views. I was hoping you meant that it was all just him in Exodus Gods and Kings. Oh, <laughs> he just walked. Well, that too. They just they did they pulled a Josh Josh Sweden and just filmed it at his house over a weekend. Well, that'd be weird because John Turturro is wearing like makeup and like the that's just the garb. how John Turturro rolls. That's just, that's just how what he, he does. They interrupted him in the middle of him writing "Fading Gigolo" too. <laughs> Electric Buggles. God damn this fucking movie! That I haven't seen and know nothing about. Fuck everything. <laughs> Fuck this podcast. <laughs> fuck the AFI and fuck you, Josh. I think John Turturro should join the pantheon of great writer-directors, such as Notting... <laughs> Go on. Um, Spike Lee. Actually, you know what? Spike Lee. Just Spike Lee. Spike Lee. John Ford. <laughs> Those um, two. Um... <laughs> um, M. Night Shyamalan. Yep. Sure. He made Unbreakable. That's the best and movie John ever. So. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it hurts. Everything hurts. I was going to bring up the um, lack no, of. You can't bring up anything else. I was Josh. going to bring up the You're lack of um, people of color in the um, AFI Top 100. But instead, I'll focus on the lack of John Turturro. <laughs> <laughs> and talk about how he, he 
he has made several incredible, incredible films, and yet none of them are featured on. Burton Fink is not on this list, which is a travesty. I think I think, I think he should be. There should be an asterisk that mentions his performance as um, Adrian Monk's brother in the television program Monk. Um, in the AFI Top 100. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the American, American Film Institution. Fine, Trevor. Then we'll use his most recent film that he was uh, that he started. Don't no 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 no. The the ridiculous six. <laughs> God fucking damn you! Oh yes, directed by Adam Sandberg. Adam Sandberg. Uh, hashtag, hashtag, where's Adam Sandberg? <laughs> yes, let's get uh, that hashtag going. That will certainly work. Uh, um, this is my hill, and yep. I'm gonna die on it, Louis. I've chosen I'll miss you, it. Trevor. Hey, could you title this episode, um, Fading no. Gigolo? <laughs> no, 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 Josh, I will not. Okay. None of the, this episode is going straight in the garbage. <laughs> fun, fun fact about The Ridiculous Six. It was, it's all true. It was directed, Shut up. It was directed Shut by up. Frank Karachi, who, his first, his first movie was Murdered Innocence, which sounds like a real movie. Then he did The Wedding Singer, Waterboy, Around the World in 80 Days, Click. Now this is where it's gonna get weird because he what the he directed a TV movie called I'm in Hell, which is probably autobiographical. Then he did <laughs> it's, a, it's a cry for then help. He did the Zookeeper. Here comes the boom, blended, and the ridiculous six. Oh my god, the trivia for this movie is insane. There's Josh, one, stop looking. At there's one that says set in 1875, and apparently this podcast is still recording. <laughs> God Wait, it. apparently, this is a trivia item. The second Adam God. Sandler movie where a character says, Ain't that a pimp? <laughs> I hate everything. I hate everything. Trevor, get on your segue quick. <laughs> it's broken. It's on fire in a dish Well, get on your hoverboard. <laughs> I can't control it. It doesn't have a handle. I want to see how many people watched Fading Jigolo. Let's see the box office okay. results. God fucking damn it! Okay, uh, this movie's great. It should be on the. It brings up very important social issues that we that are still relevant today. Blah blah blah. It should be higher on this list. I really think it's a travesty that it's this slow on the list. Uh, oh my god! It made a whopping three point seven million dollars. <laughs> okay, uh, as we wrap up. I would like to take this time to uh, to introduce uh, a new feature to the uh, to, to this fantastic and well crafted. Oh shit! Show. What up? It's your. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! What up? Wait, what? It's that boy. <laughs> you have immediately. You have just dated your podcast. So I. Hope... I don't care. Yes, because I was talking about the 2013 care. film Fading Gigolo. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> Every time you say that, my soul cringes. I can't find the budget for Fading Gigolo. I, I can't find it. Everything is terrible. Well, Josh, Josh. I'm living. I'm living now. I'm living here. <laughs> Josh, open up Bing. <laughs> the only articles I can find are like DVD and. 
you know. <laughs> it hurts. Everything hurts. Okay. <laughs> you broke me. Uh. <laughs> Are you alright? I can't stop. <laughs> oh, snap. Apparently, Millennium Entertainment bought Fading Gigolo for $3 million. <laughs> <laughs> Which seems kind of high. So but... here's the thing: its domestic box office was three point seven million. Its international box office, twenty two million. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I've never been that close to madness before. <laughs> what the fuck happened? Save okay. it for when we do in the mouth of madness for this podcast because it's on it's on the on the uh, list, right? No, it's not. That's a book. Um, uh, no, it's a movie. That's a book. By Wait, why? Okay, so if you go to the box office, uh, it's, this isn't about Fading Gigolo, but if you go to the box office thing for box office emoji page for Do the Right Thing, the actors it lists are Samuel L. Jackson and Martin Lawrence. It's, it's like <laughs> there are many, there are many think... other actors you could list. Yeah, exactly. You could have listed. You could list Spike Lee, who's the main character. But not a good actor. Um, <laughs> you could... I guess, I don't know. Talk about that. You want to talk about that? No, I, I just I just don't think he's that great of an actor, especially in the uh, uh, the ending scene with uh, Sal. I think I think the actor that plays Sal so, so outpaces him <laughs> that it's almost like, man, why did Spike Lee cast himself as the lead character? <laughs> like, it's just, it's just kind of like, oh, this is kind of depressing. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's not—it's not for want of. I mean, maybe it's—I don't know. I, I feel like he was trying. It's just that some of the moments call for more than what he probably had. He, I mean, he was young at the time. It's not like he, you know, it, I, it's not that big a deal. I just think uh, the movie could have been even better with a uh, an actor that could really sell some of those bigger moments for Mookie. Yeah, ups. Uh, yeah, Spike Lee can pull off like. Just of disaffected and just yeah. to go home. <laughs> That's very that true. Bored, I hate my job kind of thing. Of course, um, are we forgetting the best um, actor-director-writer uh, combo? Is that John Turturro? Um, I've already I've already mentioned M Night Shyamalan. Oh, I don't know how. <laughs> I'm talking about Quentin Tarantino, better. of course. <laughs> who gives it? Who can just? He has like five. He has. He's never had more than five lines in any of. Who can forget his uh, his railing against tipping, and his Australian uh, monster man? (laughs) Oh, you mean his best role ever? I'm like pretty certain a lot of his roles are just. Okay, this is an actual like hot take, but I'm pretty sure a lot of his roles are just so he can say a lot of words he wouldn't be allowed to say, (laughs) like in a in an appropriate context. Yeah, no, that you think it's. There are movies sometimes where like you have to have a there's you have to have a racist character and sometimes the actor is so but good at so good at it. I also like, I also oh. think that might be the reason why Quentin Tarantino keeps making movies. <laughs> just so he can also do that through movies, not just through the character. I think I, I mean, think save it for save it for Okay, we will. We will. Okay. Well, one one last thing. I think he makes westerns specifically for this reason. <laughs> Although I will say you know I love Take Flight. Um uh, 
Yeah. Me too. Yeah, uh, you could have done. It's like, a great movie. Trim, trim like thirty minutes to an hour off that movie. Yeah, it needs some trimming. Uh, anywho, uh, you were gonna segue. Now you're hoverboarding, or um. <laughs> now I'm just lying are you, in a ditch, broken. Are you healing with your heelys? <laughs> I'm totally healing, dude. Okay. <laughs> I Ooh, wanted to shut up, Josh. You're not allowed to speak for the rest of this podcast. Go sit in the corner. Um, I wanted I wanted to introduce a uh, something new that we're going to be doing on this show. Go on. <laughs> the look of terror on all of their faces is delightful. <clears throat> um, I have not discussed this with anyone else, but they're going to do it anyway. Executive Close decision, now. motherfuckers. What? Um, I didn't vote for you. Uh, this is not a, this is not a democracy, dude. <laughs> um, okay, every uh, every tenth episode <laughs> that we do, fortnightly we shall declare the tenth episode. <laughs> God damn it! Wait, no. guys. Okay, before Let me make Trevor my makes point. announcement. God fucking damn it! Stop interrupting me, Wait, Josh! Wait, guys, no, hold on, hold on. Look. Alright, look what I found. Okay, these are wheel I replacement don't wheels care. for Heelys. I really don't but they're glow in the dark. Look. I do not care. I do not give a fuck about what's on your goddamn phone. It's Let actually me talk about this fucking podcast. It's currently unavailable, so that means a lot of people must have like it's an in-demand item, and I'm not sure if they still make these. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. I do not give a fuck about Ely. I love, I love this podcast so much. <laughs> I hate everything about it. <laughs> and one of the, oh, the, the five-star reviews I don't, is... I could not just tell you how little I care. Please... I'm trying to talk about. So every tenth episode. All right, all right, Trevor. For fuck's sake! God damn it! This is gonna be a nightmare to edit. No, just don't uh, edit it. It's great. No one will listen. We have to we this. have three silky voices. Shut the fuck up. About, Ooh, say that again, uh, but slower. God three God. silky okay. voices. Ooh. Talking about John Totoro. Totoro. John Totoro. <laughs> John Totoro. Why hi, I'm Wait, I'm looking at John Totoro. Hold on. Shut the fuck up, John Josh. I don't care. <laughs> oh, man. I hate you so Remember much. Remember when John There's Totoro no was a giant cat monster? Okay, go on with your thing, Trevor. I don't know why you're not saying it, but it's it's... Oh god damn it. Okay. It's a new feature of the show. Every tenth episode. We are going to uh we're gonna do a special bonus episode. Uh where we are going to cover a movie that is not featured on the AFI list, but we think should be. We're gonna, to, uh, we're gonna talk about that we're going to talk about that movie and uh you know, bitch similar style that we would here and we're gonna make a case for why it should be on the list. Um and a blue movie we all agree on, preferably. <laughs> so we don't have one guy in the corner saying, I, do, I don't agree I, with it. <laughs> Secretary is one of the greatest American movies I think ever it made. Should, I think it should be Fading Gigolo. <laughs> I actually I did. Trevor, you'll hear this, but I did say Fading Gigolo under my breath while you were explaining <laughs> this. <laughs> so, 
That's a, that's a bonus within a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> I hate all of you so Do you know, much. You, you want to know a fun fact? Roger Ebert actually wants... He wants... um. He considers Juno to be one of the best American films ever made. What? Yeah. I mean, that movie gets a lot of flack, but greatest ever made is going several bridges too far. He, he was going to include it in his submission for the top, I believe, I think it is the top 100. And he was considering putting it on that list. So, movie, fun, fun fact. Movie number one, movie, Ghostbusters uh, 2. Movie... <laughs> <laughs> What if it was all Jason Reitman movies? <laughs> Movie number one. Yes. Thank you for smoking. <laughs> that is what we're doing. Fun fact, Rod- Roger Jason. Ebert liked <laughs> just <laughs> cheddar cheese on his oh, apple Did you pie. also know that Roger Ebert wrote softcore porn while he was starting out? That was fine. Well, he wrote... Yeah, no, we all have to make a living, Josh. I don't know why you're why you're begrudging the man for taking a paycheck. Well, I'm not begrudging it. I'm just saying it's interesting. I've learned so much about uh, cheap paperback books <laughs> from from the Turn to Page podcast and what an, what an aspiring author has to do to get by. <laughs> that I don't judge anybody anymore. Can we? End yeah, this yeah. No. <laughs> Josh is just having so much fun. Shut the fuck! I am gonna, Josh. Jo- next time I see you, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna wrap my fingers around your goddamn Jesus. throat. <laughs> oh my god! And then, and then when you, you're, and then when you, when I'm breathing my final <laughs> breaths, I'll say, and I'm fading away. <laughs> say goodbye, fair Jigolo. When- we knew, we knew you the, so well. The Law and Order SVU detectives are going to hear this podcast <laughs> after Josh's murder. And... See, no, 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 no. It's CSI Cyber. Because <laughs> this takes place over the years. Uh, they'll come back one more time. No, it's gonna be. It's gonna be. It's gonna. Louis, are you crying? Are you crying, Louis? It's gonna be Ice T saying, "Nah, it's a podcast." <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no! It's gonna be no! It's gonna be Ice T coming in and saying, "What's a pot?" No, no! Ice T is the one that like sneaks up and goes, "Nah, I I play FPSs all the time on my Xbox One," and so he'll do that for pockets. Like, yeah, it's one of the many I subscribe to. Nerdist, uh, my brother, my brother, what the, the Bim Bam, uh, the Beef and Dairy Network. Um. Uh, stuff you should yep. know. Stuff you missed in history class. I like that one a lot because uh, they cover a stuff, lot of women in history. Stuff, uh, st- stuff mom never yep. told you. The flop house and how did this get made? Usually people only listen to one, but I actually appreciate both. The whole you know, episode. I used to, you know, I used to listen to, uh, apparently the greatest, but then they did an episode <laughs> on, on Do the Right Thing. <laughs> and I unsubscribed so fast that I broke the screen on my iPhone. You know, props to Law and Order though. Ice T would really be the only one in that cast I would believe is just playing oh, a lot of video absolutely. games. <laughs> because all the how are we still? How Richard are we still Belzer recording? can't come up and go. Yes, I play Call of Duty all the time. <laughs> oh, I'm I wearing a totally Newtown shirt. That, though. I would totally buy that. Guys, I'm wearing a Call of Duty shirt now. Get out. Isn't that crazy? I, I didn't know it was Call of Duty when I got it. 
I don't like that. I don't like Call of Duty, Josh. I don't like Call of Duty either. I don't really. Much play. like most of the things you've talked about tonight. I, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say much like do the right thing. <laughs> do we? Do uh, we do no, plugs now? I lo- Can we just? throw this yeah. podcast over yeah. somewhere no. in, a br- in a burlap bag i think this is the best episode you've recorded so far <laughs> you know you know josh i'm afraid that it just might be <laughs> despite my efforts to do something serious and like that actually has you know insightful takes i'm afraid this might be the highlight of this entire run <laughs> okay <laughs> okay trevor yeah. can i do the outro this time <laughs> no you cannot do the fucking outro oh come on i do the outro <laughs> I do the intro and the outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you fade it out like a gigolo. Shut the fuck I up. I just imagine the Josh. I don't know. What would you even do as an outro, Josh? I would say exactly what I said. I'd be like, and fading you out. Even, you don't even know my format. Of course not. Do you have a format? I thought it was just us buds talking about... I do the format. I do... Yes, I have a general, like, skeleton for how these episodes work. Dude, dude. Thank you, Mr. Skeletal. I was kind of hoping Josh's <laughs> outro would just be, you Plugs. can't see me, and then the John Cena theme starts playing. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Oh, God. Next time we do... Next time we do an episode together, Josh... I'm going to be like, I'm Trevor Gibson with... Uh, with my host and Josh is just gonna come in. John Cena. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, fuck! I've I mentioned John Cena on so many podcasts. <laughs> what is my life? It's because John let's Cena is all. Let's do plugs. Let's do plugs for God's sake. Let's all right. do plugs. Uh, my name is Louis. I I host a. CA. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you took you took a break from your show just to do this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm glad you guys had me. Uh, look at my red hair. Uh, I'm so fat and old. Ha 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 ha. No, I do a podcast with... Uh... Take that, one of the most <laughs> successful comedians today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so, uh, I do a podcast with... Um... Um, wait, wait, wait. Uh, you seem to have a thing against Louis C.K. Um Louis, may I ask you, please, nay, demand, explain yourself. <laughs> you know, Trevor, you can do that. You can do that later on my podcast called Explain Yourself. Uh, I, I co-host a podcast called Explain Yourself with uh, my sweet baby boy, Caleb. Uh, Caleb is terrible and wrong about everything. He has bad opinions, <laughs> and so do probably a lot of you out there. Listen to our show, and you'll hear good opinions. Mine. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a show where we, we look at a piece of popular pop culture that is beloved or hated and we, uh, we take, take an opposite opinion from the, uh, the norm and we try to explain ourselves. Okay. It's called explain yourself. Exclamation point. (laughs) What's the, what's the name of that? Explain yourself. Exclamation point. It's on iTunes. I dare you! How dare you ask me to explain myself? I'm do 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 do. Why the fuck are we doing this? Okay, I've got very important Josh. plugs. All right, my name's Josh. And that's Park. the episode. And that's the episode. <laughs> Thank you. Wait, hold on, hold on, guys. My name is, right, no, we'll listen. Okay, my name is Josh Park. Okay, Check plugs. out my fading gigolo Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Josh Park. <clears throat> I host a podcast called Apparently the Greatest. 
No, you and don't. <laughs> no, you don't. I thought I've been, this podcast. Um, I conceived it, deal. and it, it, it became... It started off as a kernel of an idea in my mind, but... Shut the fuck up, you. Now... I've used an alternate persona called Trevor Gibson, too. <laughs> But now as a fully fleshed project, I'm glad I'm glad it's finally gaining some momentum. And Josh, Josh, you are now my nemesis. <laughs> I swear to God. No, that that was a bit, listeners. Um the beautiful Trevor Gibson is the host. But listen, I do have a very important plug. It is <laughs> a butt plug. Don't, abs- yeah. <laughs> it is absolutely imperative that you follow me on Twitter. It's at filming EJ. F I L M I N G E J. What does the EJ stand for? I really have no clue, so you can just make up your own meaning. Um, just like, just like the, the right. ending of Do the Right Thing, actually, where there aren't any answers, <laughs> and you kind of have to come to filming, the conclusion yourself. Filming existential John, which is uh, you just <laughs> post pictures of uh, black and white pictures of John Turturro. oh man Uh, so yeah I hate everything how did we get here I don't know it's Josh's fault (laughs) you fucking bastard you did this to me also Juno should be on this list anyway fuck you Trevor do you have do you have plugs we will we will never ever talk about Juno Ever. Oh, that leaves in fading jiggle. <laughs> okay. Plugs. Um, plugs. I plugs. Have, plugs. I have plugs. 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 Uh, okay. Remember, use a water-based lubricant. <laughs> it's all. <laughs> anyway, um, I'll definitely be cutting that out. <laughs> anyway, the because <laughs> that's the one squeaky wheel. Okay, I'll be a. Uh, um, I'll be appearing on some other podcasts that I can't talk about right now, but I will be sure to plug them whenever they are actually. You'll be on. Oh, nice plug, dude. However, I can, I can talk about. Um, I recently did a string of episodes, uh, with the lovely people who did, uh, the previously, uh, aired, who previously did uh the podcast, the boy next door and a talking cast, uh, that is as if uh podcast where uh we cover they cover the movie clueless minute by minute uh i did like four episodes with them but don't let's do it just for me there's tons of great episodes and great hosts on that show and you should definitely check it out and uh yeah i mean you can follow me on twitter if you kind of want to i don't know i why think you would i'm haskell the owl i think twitter. we should also josh I don't, I don't know if you're cool with this or not but i think we should plug uh josh and i are starting a podcast called uh, fading, fading gigolo no, minute. No, 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 no. Whoa, Trevor! Wait, hold on. Can we cancel Trevor out of his own podcast? We're also, we're also no, starting a. I don't even have an RSS feed. Damn it! We're starting a, a second podcast called uh, "The Best Idea of All Time," and that's where we watch Fading Gigolo every day for a year. Yeah, except, except instead of this kind of um, like ironic. <laughs> Instead of this kind of ironic distance the hosts have, we genuinely, genuinely do believe that it is the best idea ever to watch Fading Gigolo every day. So, 
that's just kind of the conceit of our whole. And of our I don't want to. I don't want to spoil the future for not just all of your listeners, but also Josh. But John Turturro is on the last episode of the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> John Turturro, along with along Let's with Adam say... Samberg. <laughs> <laughs> He's a disgusting homunculus, though, so it's not that great. <laughs> have you guys listened to the? Um... It's like a, it's like a, it's like an Adam Sand, Adam Sandler, like Andy Sandberg centaur, like yeah. from the waist up. It's, it's Adam. Sandler. It's like the fly. It's in like neutral... they were put in a teleporter. <laughs> in Neutral Milk Hotel's album "In the Airplane Over the Sea," there are two songs called um, Two Headed Boy." <laughs> Are we talking about this album? Why the fuck are we and talking you about might this think, album? No, you might think that song is about love. No, we're not talking about Neutral of, Milk Hotel Or some kind of relationship, or some kind of codependence, or some kind of, you know, loss that's been experienced. Fuck you and your taste But, no, listen to me. This, these songs are actually about <laughs> Adam Sandberg, <laughs> who is actually you might think oh this album is about Anne frank or something ridiculous like that but all i'm saying is if you think about this concept album in just the conception of adam sandberg that's exactly what so it is. i think so just, i think we should have i think you should have ended josh on the line something ridiculous like Anne frank <laughs> <laughs> and then we should have just gone yep we're done <laughs> exactly you uh, i'm I'm waving down at you from that hole. You're ducking. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, for apparently the greatest, this has been Louis. <laughs> so now we can end it after I've been begging us to end it for the past goddamn hour. Trying, I'm trying to make this happen finally. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Also, don't look inside my mouth, weirdo. <laughs> oh, the... you have such nice teeth. Oh, the train Louis. is coming. <laughs> don't look a gigolo in its fade. <laughs> Fuck you, Josh. <laughs> Josh, you're my new hero. <laughs> I hate you. I have never hated someone so much in my life. <laughs> I, I've he's he's been Josh Park, my f- nemesis for life at this point. And I'm Trevor Gibson. And Hello. <laughs> shut the fuck up. And no, I'm he's Trevor. Trevor I'm Gibson. <laughs> I just wanted to end. God damn it! <laughs> the old vaudeville act of Trevor and Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> Where do I send this check here? Louie, can I lie down in front of that train? Are the tracks close enough? Yeah, it's real close. <laughs> I'll be out there in Lane. I've been your host, Trevor Gibson. I'll be laying down on those train tracks, praying for that train to get here faster. Uh, bye, everyone. See you next episode. Do the right thing and watch Fading Jiggle. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs>